Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 10th of November. I'm Adam Leventhal. Today, Liverpool slip up in Europe. I need to get back to winning ways in the Premier League because this was a disappointing defeat for them. Can Chelsea follow up their Tottenham win against Manchester City? Chelsea know how daunting a task it is. Every team in Europe knows how formidable Manchester City are now, given what they did last year. And what now for Raheem Sterling and England? But I think it's fair to read between the lines and say this isn't a decision just being made on football reasons. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. Lots to come. Let's start with a roundup of Thursday's European action, though. Talked about potential qualification with two games to spare for Liverpool. That 100% record goes, the unbeaten record goes. Bad night for Liverpool, beaten 3 2 in Toulouse. You see Swazo at the back, Swazo in, Kelleher gets a touch, here's a chance, it is 3 1. It's Frank Magri. So Toulouse, who'd lost 5 1 at Anfield, went 2 0 up then scored an OG to make it 2-1 before restoring their two-goal advantage. Jota made it 3-2, but then Kwanzaa was denied a late leveller by our good old friend and fun sponge, VAR. The Athletics' Greg Evans was there for Liverpool's first defeat in this season's competition. Incredible atmosphere inside the stadium, just watching those fans, the home fans, go crazy on the final whistle. Uh, Only won two times here, once in League 1 and once in the Europa League against Lask. So a really unexpected victory for for the home side, but underlying problems for Liverpool now. This is four games in five away from home without a win. Jurgen Klopp spoke after the game about his disappointment at the defending, saying that his side cannot give away goals like that and, and expect to get you know, points or anything out of out of games. He said that even if the, the goal at the end, the uh, the 96th minute equaliser that was ruled out for, for a handball from, from Gerald Kwanzaa with the goal scoring touch, but it was actually Alexis McAllister with the handball, even if that had stood, he would have still come out and said the same things, you know, disappointed in the performance. He said that they, he saw need to show a reaction going into the weekend now. Liverpool take on Brentford and they need to get back to winning ways in the Premier League because this was a disappointing defeat for them. Well, having won their previous three group games, they only need one more win, Liverpool, to make at least the playoff round. Their next fixture is at home to Lask, who beat Royal Union Sangilwas 3-0 in the other game in Group E. Meanwhile, great night for Brighton in Amsterdam. This is great for Brighton, and Brighton have the league. Ansu Fati, who scored a fortnight ago, has scored in the Jai Cruyff Arena. He's found a Dingra. Adengra finds the back of the net. 
A beautiful second for Brighton. That 2-0 win against Ajax, courtesy of Fati and Adingra, puts them second in Group B behind Marseille, who beat AK Athens 2-0 in the other game. Ajax bottom with only two points from four games to mirror their struggles domestically. Elsewhere, it was four defeats in six going into the visit of Olympiacos for West Ham, but they got the win they needed. Clever ball, Paqueta! Yeah, David Moyes' side stay top of Group A, ahead of second place Freiburg, who beat back a Topola 5-0. Elsewhere, Bundesliga leaders Bayer Leverkusen made it four wins out of four. They beat Azerbaijan's Karabag 1-0 to qualify for the knockouts. Atalanta are through two. They beat Sturm Graz 1-0. Portugal's Sporting in second beat Rakov to strengthen their chances in Group D. Rangers, they're still in the mix for qualification behind Betis in Group C after a 2-1 win over Sparta Prague. But Slavia, the other team from Prague, beat Jose Mourinho's Roma 2-0 to go top of Group G above the Italians. And next up for them this weekend is Lazio and the Rome derby. And finally, in the Europa Conference League, Aston Villa moved a step closer to qualification after they came from behind to beat AZ Alkmaar 2-1 with goals from Diego Carlos and Oli Watkins. They're second behind Legia in Group E. Both teams on nine points and looking set to advance. They face each other in the next game when European football returns at the end of November. Right to the Premier League action and it's Chelsea-Manchester City on Sunday. Last weekend, Maurizio Pochettino's side beat the team that went into it top of the table. Tottenham, can they do it again? Liam Toomey is here to discuss that. Didn't get any credit, did they, for that 4-1 win over nine men, Spurs. Now the dust has settled, do they take confidence going into this? I think they take the confidence that comes with a scoreline that was really the stuff of dreams, even if it didn't have the performance to go with it against Tottenham. There have been plenty of times this season when Chelsea have had it the other way round, where they've they've performed quite well and, and the result has not told that tale at all. So that was certainly the message that Maurizio Pochettino was keen to stress after the match. And I expect him to do the same in his press conference on Friday. Chelsea know how daunting a task it is. Every team in Europe knows how formidable Manchester City are now, given what they did last year. But Chelsea are a young, hungry team that wants to prove themselves. And they can also take solace in the fact that if you leave the Tottenham game aside, because it really does stand alone <laughs> for in all its craziness, two of their better performances this season were at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool and Arsenal. They did have the better of their opponents for large chunks of that game. So I think they, they should at least go into this one with reason to think that they can cause City problems. Now, Nicholas Jackson will obviously take great confidence from scoring that hat-trick, despite what the haters may say. But do you feel that Chelsea are still crying out for a more dependable striker? And is that number one on the January wish list? As we understand it, they are very likely, I think our colleague David Ornstein has reported this, that they are very likely to make attacking reinforcements. But what complicates the discussion around that is that they don't fully know yet what they have in Nicholas Jackson and Armando Breuer because they're both young they're both not what they will be and I think you can see Jackson has had really good flashes so far this season and also some really rough spots he is he is an unpolished gem you have the guy who was meant to be the attacking star of this squad Christopher Nkunku who hasn't played a minute yet so you you really can't know what you have in him so at this point it's not clear whether Chelsea will 
go into the market for a true number nine or whether the club will maybe look at a more versatile forward. Back on the game, City dominant in this fixture over the last two seasons. They've won six out of six. They haven't conceded a goal against Chelsea. And Chelsea's season isn't going to hinge on this one. But does the recent form in general, five wins out of seven, give optimism that they are heading in the, in the right direction now? I think there's been that optimism for a few weeks now, but it just hasn't been reflected in the league table. And this has been the the slightly fraught nature of the the atmosphere at Chelsea is that they, they feel like they're doing a lot of the right things. But certainly before the Tottenham game, I wrote that, you know, Opta's projections had a 0.1% chance of Chelsea finishing fourth and it wasn't much higher finishing fifth. The Tottenham result has shifted that a bit. And I, I honestly don't think the Premier League has been a more difficult environment to qualify for the Champions League, even with five spots rather than four this year. It is so competitive. There's so much quality that Chelsea can't afford to have certainly not another 10 games like their first 10 games. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Brilliant, Liam. Thank you very much indeed. Now, Raheem Sterling will have added motivation to perform, not only because it's his former side, Manchester City, that he's taking on, but due to his omission from the England squad for the two Euro qualifiers which follow, the fifth squad that he's missed out on. Let's get more now with Tim Spears. Why is he no longer the man for Gareth Southgate then, Tim? Yeah, it's it's been the case for a while that he's not been the man for England. For various reasons, really. So, well, he's only played 150 minutes for England in like the past 12 months now. And they all came in the World Cup, which was almost a year ago, where he started the first two games. And then people will remember he missed the Senegal last 16 game, uh, travelled home during the tournament. There'd been an armed burglary at his home, so he wanted to go home to see his family. And then, yeah, the March Internationals were the first games after the World Cup and Sterling had a hamstring injury. And then in June comes the kind of pivotal moment, really, in this story where after an underwhelming season for Chelsea and Sterling had had some injury issues, he wanted to miss those games against Malta and North Macedonia to sort of get himself ready for the new season, rehabilitate himself properly, I guess have a bit of a break at the end of the season. It was painted as a mutual agreement at the time that he and Southgate had spoken and agreed that Sterling wasn't really in contention for those games. But I guess, yeah, what's happened since then kind of suggests that maybe Southgate wasn't happy with that because he hasn't been selected since then, basically, despite his good form for Chelsea. If this was purely a football decision, then that's a surprise for me because, well, number one, no one else has nailed down Sterling's spot in the team. You know, and his form for Chelsea has been has been much improved, really. Perhaps Southgate feels that Sterling shouldn't have pulled out of those June games. Um, but I think it's fair to read between the lines and say this isn't a decision just being made on football reasons. Now, both yourself and Michael Cox have written about his predicament. Do we know how Sterling is feeling about all of this? From what we understand at The Athletic, it's more sort of bemusement rather than anger on Sterling's part that he's not in the squad at the moment and he's you know just gonna try and continue his his good form for Chelsea you know he's he's in a good sort of space right now and I guess he'll try and continue that I guess you have to wonder if Southgate is being a bit stubborn here and trying to prove a point that Sterling shouldn't have pulled out of those games you know Ben White would be a player who would tell you how sort of stubborn Southgate can be I think with the Euros only a few months away now it's hard to see how Sterling gets back in unless there are injuries to other players And Tim, just in terms of other England issues, few significant changes, but quite a few players with TBC by their names this weekend in particular, it feels, doesn't it? I mean, these are basically friendlies, these two matches. You know, England have already qualified, but there are only a handful of games in the tournament 
before the tournament now, which I guess is why Southgate is reluctant to experiment further at this point. You know, I would have predicted maybe one or two might have come in to have a go. Anthony Gordon is an obvious one. He's been in fantastic form for Newcastle and, and was brilliant for the under-21s for England in the summer. Morgan Gibbs-White is a player you would have thought Southgate would have a look at at some point. Eberichi Eze has been left out of this one, despite being in the last few squads. He could have maybe started a game here. Uh, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek's been in great form for AC Milan. But otherwise, it's, it's Southgate trying to hone his 11 as much as he can and we may get another look at Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield because he's done well there for England uh, in his past few appearances. Tim, thank you very much. Just to mark your viewing card for the weekend in the Premier League, Wolves against Spurs. That's the live game on TNT in the UK, 12.30 on Saturday. That's 7.30am Eastern time. Then it's on Sky Sports from then on. Bournemouth Newcastle is the 5.30 game on Saturday in the UK. That's 12.30 Eastern. Super Sunday is West Ham against Forest at 2, 9am Eastern. And then Chelsea, Manchester City is 4.30. That's 11.30 Eastern. Live Premier League action in the US, NBC, USA Network and Peacock as well. And continued coverage of all the headline makers and insight and analysis from the Athletics team of writers covering all the big games in the Premier League, in Europe, the United States, to infinity and beyond. We've got you covered. That's all for today. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you follow, drop us a comment. That would be much appreciated. I've been Adam Leventhal, your producer was Mike Zimmerman. Executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Tim Spears, a busy man. He's going to be back with you on Monday. In the meantime, have a great day. Enjoy the weekend. The Athletic.